You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Podcast. I'm Louis Kornfeld. Today I am interviewing uh, Magnet's artistic director, the beautiful Megan Gray. Megan, thank you for talking. Thank you for having me. This uh, uh, full disclosure is going to be a really weird conversation yeah. for me. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know this already, uh, not only are Megan and I dating each other, but we've been dating each other for a very long time. 16 years. 16 years. And so, we knew each other two years before that. Yeah, so... so We've known each other more than half of our lives. Yeah, at this point, that's true. That we gives met you, when we were 14. Yes. Uh, uh, so just a little background for that, for, <laughs> for our listeners out there. Normally, when I'm when I'm talking with people my sort of focus is on just you know coming at this perspective that we all love comedy and we all love improv and we're all very very curious about the creative process so i'm just looking to kind of connect with people and and you know right um but with megan uh uh it's a little bit like trying to connect with myself so i a couple of things that i want to talk about uh um because we do have such a long history together um, and because I, I'll go out on a limb and say that we have a really good working relationship as well. I think yeah. that we're, we're a good improv partnership. Yeah. We play well together. Yeah. We but don't argue. Th- no. But, well, I mean, yeah, in real life and also when we're playing, it's mm-hmm. like, I th- we have a nice kind of copacetic harmony. Oh, yeah. We, we compliment more often than not. If you and I perform together, it's a good performance yeah. more often than not. Um, I'm still curious about the things that uh, are very different about us and there are several things about you that uh, uh, I find terrifying or hard to grasp not that you're terrifying but like you're a great level one teacher you never seem to get down after shows you're a great road improviser you're really good at at doing road shows you're a great host at things you you, there's just like a a confidence that you kind of share in common with like Peter McNerney Rick Andrews, Nick Canellas, like those guys that I, I'm always a little bit in awe of. So let's start there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I sort of go from that idea of uh, fake it till you make it. Uh-huh. So even if I, there's a time where I don't feel as confident, I'll still act like I am. Yeah. It's like walking into a party where you don't really know anybody. You just walk in really confidently to the liquor table and then uh, and then you go from there. Mm-hmm. Sort of, if you put on this projection of uh, uh, that I'm not, I shouldn't be here, or that, uh, or that um, I'm not good enough, then others will pick up on that. The mm. same is in scenes or on stage. The audience can sense that fear if you project it. So I always try. So even if I'm not feeling confident, I still pretend like I am. Is there like a clicking moment for you where it goes from faking it to making it? Uh, I would say w- that first laugh. Yeah. Uh, if I'm on stage, that first laugh, I'm like, oh, okay, got this. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and I think just the same same thing with a good host is that you let the audience know I'm taking care of you right now. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, this is going to be great. You're not going to. I know exactly what I have to say, and I'm going to communicate that to you. Uh, and I think the thing about good hosting is not making it about yourself, mm-hmm. uh, making it about everyone else, uh, making it really positive, and just keeping that energy up. Uh, so I think energy is important and mm. I, I have a lot of that. Uh, yeah. How much of that? So you've been teaching level one for a long time now. 
Six years, yeah. Yeah, and and um, I've noticed a kind of transformation with you in the time that you've been teaching level one. And I think that it sort of infuses the way that you play. And I think that it sort of infuses the way that you host. So, and level one is one of those things where I'm personally terrified of it. I <laughs> think I would be a terrible level one teacher. And, and why do you think that is? Um, I, th- uh, um, I have a little bit of like a, like a professor kind of quality to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't help it. It's just the it's way I am. It's the glasses, but it's also, it's the way I talk and it's the way I think. And, you know, I just can't help it, you mm-hmm. know? So I think I work best with people who already have a little bit of experience mm-hmm. and already know that they like this and, and kind of want to take it seriously. Um, I think I, I am always afraid of being too intense mm. for people. Yeah. I, and I think I don't, I just don't, I don't know that I create an environment that's like fun. I think I create an environment that's interesting, yeah, but not fun. And you're really great at making it fun for people. Yeah, I try to, and actually I read, this is something I remember from a Billy Merritt class mm-hmm. that we took a long time ago at UCB. I think it was like a 3B yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, and I always remember he kept it so fun and he always had, even if it wasn't going well, he always had something funny to say yeah. about it. And it, you weren't thinking about how I did wrong. You were like, uh, oh, he made it in a, such a way that you felt less bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I took a lot from that. I, I don't exactly remember any of his less what the lessons were in that. I like it's so long ago, but I just remember the energy he created. I I was I felt so good there yeah. that uh, I tried to. I, that's sort of what I I try to bring to my classes. Is that this is going to be really fun, and uh, the, what I like about level one is that like my job is to get you excited for level two, mm. to give you some tools of like, this is what you can do, this is what's possible now. Uh, get excited for level two mm-hmm. and have them feel because if, if in level one, if you start putting them in their heads and start making them think that they're doing it wrong or that it's, you actually try to make them think it's really easy in mm-hmm. level one. Like, oh, look how easy it is. Look how you can do it. So then they're given the confidence to keep going. And then even when it gets tough in level two, they're still thinking about those successes in level one. Mm-hmm. And that's what's helping drive them. So that's, what I try to, I always try to have something, uh, uh, funny to say about all of their scenes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if it's bad, I try to find something positive in it. What, uh, uh, makes a bad scene for you? Oh, um, when people are not listening to each other, Mm -hmm. uh, when I'll say pause. Okay. So did you hear what, um, uh, I'll call this fake person, Ted. Uh, did you hear what Ted said? Uh, just one sec, like, uh, so you guys are in a restaurant. Did you hear when Ted said that? Oh no, I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, he said it so clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very frustrating when you see people aren't listening to mm-hmm. each other. Uh, so li- not listening to each other, just um, it's like it's it's there. It's it's there. Just listen to it. Just pay attention to each other. Yeah. When they are talking nonstop and not allowing the other person to say anything, yeah. or they feel that they need to uh, just fill the time with talking. Uh, when people are making choices and when it's so vague and so uh, it's just vague and you don't know where you are, you don't know who you are. Uh, and not that you have to say who you are, where you are, uh, that specifically. You have, know. you have to know. You have yeah. to get a feeling of like, oh, I'm treating you like a coworker or I'm yeah. treating you like a, a mother. Uh, when people don't make choices and when they're not listening to each other and, yeah. or just talking for the sake of talking, yeah. I feel like that. 
Um, I get very, or fighting. <laughs> fighting, okay, there's a couple of things. Fighting, competition, in that I can do this better than you, mm-hmm. I'm prettier than you, I'm better than you. When we start haggling over money, uh, great, I gave you this gift, so you're just going to have to pay me for it. Well, I don't have the money. It's like, oh, there's nothing so boring as watching improvisers argue over money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, oh, just pay him. We'll, get, we'll let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are some things that... I hate. I might argue that in principle, I get that, but like, I think if if I could watch a scene of Jed Terrace trying to negotiate paying a like a dinner bill for okay. like an hour. Yes, yes. Um, so, I, what's the difference between those? Okay. Uh, uh, well, just uh, going over the fact that uh, Jed is just a very funny and affable person. Yeah. I think it's probably when you do it with a light touch. Yes. And you're not arguing with that person like no how like what are you talking about money like uh i don't have that on me why are you i think when people start getting combative about it um i read this on a tea bag and i believe it's true um even the mightiest oak must bend and i feel (laughs) what it's a very like common phrase it's just <laughs> <laughs> but i read it on a tea bag i'm letting you inside <laughs> um anyway <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. Well, like bridges must sway uh, yeah. <laughs> in the breeze yeah uh so uh i feel like you can still like hold on to your character and you can still be like oh, okay uh, i want to argue this bill but as long as you're at your you bring lightness to it and you're uh and you do it with a sense of uh like well-meaning mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and you're not just arguing over the sake of money mm-hmm. um does that make sense yeah it it lightness of touch is a really good thing to point to um i think that was christina gauss said that right lightness of touch yeah I, yeah i, I, I so. believe she and she did a lovely hand gesture yeah lightness of touch yeah uh uh, anyone listening to this, just close your eyes and imagine that <laughs> hand gesture. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, um, those behaviors of like not listening and like clearly not paying attention to what somebody is saying, um, talking nonstop, being really kind of nebulous and vague. Like it, I, I find that more often than not, um, people are, 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 are well-intentioned and, mm. and more often than not, that sort of behavior is a symptom of, just some pretty deep set worry that's going on. And so like when I'm teaching classes, if I see that sort of stuff, I, I look for ways to not directly say, don't fight or don't argue over this or don't, because I, it, I find that when someone's in a state of worry that just that note of don't do this just kind of gets absorbed into Mm -hmm. this kind of like cloud of more and more things to worry about that could go wrong right you know so so when you're seeing that sort of and now that being said there are times where you have to take that's sort of the motherly approach of like you know what i mean like love them through it yeah there are times where you have to take the fatherly approach where it's like ted listen stop you know what i mean like yeah. so, so my question to you i guess it's two part mm-hmm how do you address, because level one is a very, very particular, yeah. these are fresh new people and, and, and you really want to cultivate the right atmosphere. So how do you lead people through those clouds of worry in a way that's encouraging and in the way that makes them feel really good? Second part of the question, um, what for you is sort of a, a marking point between when you're going to kind of love them through it and when you're going to get a little bit harsher and directly say to somebody, Ted, pay attention. Right. Uh Okay. 
So I always try, I think tone is very important. Uh, and I always try to, this is, I think, a McNapier thing. He would say, like, I invite you to, mm-hmm. or feel free to, uh, so sometimes I'll say, uh, feel free to go, always go to your improv wallet, which is full of lots of improv money mm-hmm. and pictures of your improv family. And feel free to always go to that because it will never run out. Yeah. So always feel free, like, if you find yourself in a situation with money, that you can always go to that. I usually... The good thing also about level one is that you can edit really soon. Yeah. You don't have to uh, – you, you have a lot of control. So sometimes I just go, and scene, great. Uh, take a seat. Like, great. So just like next time, if you find yourself in, in a situation – and basically I'll make it more of like a general note. I won't exactly say to that person unless I see them do it again. Uh, Armando is really good about um, – and when he – when I watched him teach level one, like when he was training me – the, uh, he was always really good about knowing who to note. Mm-hmm. And I feel if there's someone who's really sensitive and so super scared, uh, I won't tell them directly. Mm-hmm. I'll give him more of a general thing and say it like in a really like very nice way uh, to everybody. And uh, and then I'll kind of like as we go on, I'll maybe stop. It's like, okay, I'll do little tweaks along the way. But if I give one person a note, I'm – it depends on the person. If it's a person who can take more than one note in one class, I'll do it. But if it's a very sensitive person, I will maybe give very light touches mm-hmm. of notes, uh, little pauses. Feel free to do this. You know what? It was so fun when you were doing that. Well, you try that again. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. Um, but it depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. If it's going to put them in their head for the rest of the class, then I, then I won't do it. Yeah. There, there is bringing it back because uh, uh, you've recently got me involved in yoga, uh-huh. and there is in my mind a little bit of a difference between sort of like a yoga approach to working out and a more of a weightlifting approach to working yeah. out, where yoga is aimed more on kind of slowly transforming your body, slowly deepening the stretches and deepening your awareness of sensations and engaging more muscle groups, and over time you're becoming a more robust. Uh, a more flexible, more opened, physically human being, and it's also the sequence that right. you're doing things is important. Right, in the same way as yeah, right, problem. totally, right. totally. And and in like weightlifting, it's a little bit more about kind of like aggressive. Let's see results right now. Let's really aggressively isolate, get those pecs really big. I I, mean, I guess I don't know <laughs> weightlifting. I guess, but uh, um, sometimes you can kind of find that people are sort of in a rush to get lots of notes. Yes. To me, that's always an interesting thing because it's like we're in a rush to kind of just like get great at this and move on as opposed to kind of treating it as more as like we have time. It's there's a lifelong ti- practice. Yeah, there's there's time to learn this and there's time to go deeper and deeper into it. You don't get it all done at once. You have to kind of learn to to kind of love where you are right now with it, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel that also uh, by people wanting to get really good really fast you know that's a hallmark that they care about it yeah and they really want this uh and uh or they want you get that rush when it goes well and so you want more of that rush Mm -hmm. you want more of that uh adrenaline it's like that when your adrenaline's pumping and you get that first laugh and it's so satisfying so uh you feel uh 
that's that's what they want. They want more of that, and they because they care about it. And uh, it is it sometimes does get frustrating when people want all those notes right away. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I've had people. I've taught a free class. Uh, in the free class, you know. Uh, it's just a few exercises. Gets people, you know, knowing what to expect from a level one first day. Uh, and I've had people after an hour and a half ask me for notes, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't. Um, sometimes you just have to let people know of like, you know what? Just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all, the best I can tell you is that like it'll come to you. And I always use the metaphor of driving. Uh, like when you first start driving, you're like keys, mirror, you, you're checking everything. But then once you get experienced with it, you just – you're not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You're already on the road. So that's sort of the metaphor I use. Like once once you get there, it's going to be automatic. Mm-hmm. So – uh, yeah, well, we, you, you never get a certificate that says y- you made it. Right. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Right. It, it, we were talking about this the other day of uh, one thing I've been taking from yoga classes recently is there are times where I'll be in a pose where like, I'm pretty sure I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not yeah. getting the stretch I need, uh, but I'm not being corrected by the teacher. And my mind does go to like, I wish, I wish that she would come and, and like help me fix this. Yeah. And that's been actually really useful because I, I also tend to be, I'm fairly hands off as a teacher. Yeah. Um, like I really believe in process and I really believe in time and I, I believe in eroding bad habits rather than attacking bad habits. Yeah. You know, but people have to make those mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also like, I think a good teacher can kind of see when you're straining or see you when you're kind of missing something, but a really good teacher will know it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you work your own way through that. Give this time and be patient with it. And that eventually you just find a stronger core Mm -hmm. and eventually those things go away. Whereas if I try to note you on it right now, you start to kind of scrunch up even more and internalize my thinking. Whereas it's, it's about like, well, if you follow through on this and just give it time, give it two more weeks. Yeah. When you hit it right, you're going to know that you hit it right. And then all of a sudden, all of those bad habits kind of fall by the wayside. Right. Um, the hallmark of a good teacher is sort of being able to spot the exact moment that someone gets it right. And now you go in for that note. Now yeah. you give them that piece of advice that they're able to really uh, um, uh, attach themselves to and really internal make their own. Right. Absolutely. But it's been super useful to get the other side of that. and, and Yeah. And sort of feel that experience of like, are they paying attention? Do they even care? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of times, students, when I read evaluations, because uh, I'm a sucker for going over the evaluations of my students. Uh, I know you hate you hate them. Um, you hate looking them. No, I don't. I, I I used to read my evaluations a lot. I don't really do it too much anymore. At this okay. point, like I, I I trust what I'm doing at this point. And, yeah. And I know if I screwed it up, um, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's just sort of like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'll still go through every now and again, but I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to, to read through them. Oh, yeah. I don't go out of my way. But yeah. uh, maybe I do. Uh, but uh, yeah, most of the time students are like, oh, I wish we were given more direction or I wish we were like uh, told uh, like how to do it right. Yeah. Uh, how to, and I would say the majority of the time – they, uh, and this is what's different from yoga, is that uh, 
how in yoga you wish the teacher would correct you. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times students want you to correct that other person. I've certainly experienced that. When it's like, um, I think you should be giving Ted some notes on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're not actually asking for the notes for themselves. They're asking that you should do this for others, yeah. <laughs> which is also a little frustrating sometimes. It's like, okay, yeah, right, I'm, I'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, 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 that's totally true. And, and it's interesting too, because like, um, people who, who are like looking at, uh, other people in their class and are like, that person's difficult or that person <laughs> isn't getting it or that person or whatever. A, a lot of times, like, you know, the more you think that way, the more you might actually be the nexus of a big problem. Like, I, yes. I, I, you remember, I don't remember his name, but I remember when you and I were doing um, level two together at UCP. Mm-hmm. I should also say that Megan and I came up together. Megan signed me up yeah. for my first improv class. We've basically been doing it side by side for the last 10 and a half years. Yeah. And we started at UCB because um, there was the only one, it was the only thing back then. Yeah. It, 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 Basically. The culture was a little bit different too. The theater, like UCB hadn't, um, hadn't opened their newer trainer cent- training center yet. It was still no. the old place on uh, 7th tw- Avenue. Yeah. And 23rd Street. Yeah. Um, With like, uh, they had like gym mats on the floor. Yeah. There were like two spaces. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 It, uh, uh, I was kind of liked that place it was like yeah. a weird it was like a shitty elevator to get up there and yeah <laughs> smelled weird smelled weird but i remember in 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 our level two class there was a guy who might even to this day be the most difficult person i've ever had to play with he just denied everything yeah he it he, seemed like he was crazy he called you crazy all the time he would like tag out needlessly <laughs> i remember for the level two show he <laughs> This recurring thing, I don't know if you remember this, where in other people's scenes, he would just start pounding on the stage as a dead body under the stage. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. It was like, just like complete insanity. And yeah. uh, uh, like, I remember the teacher of that class just like being exasperated and like yelling at him a bunch of times, but like the guy just like would not, I, it was almost like an Andy Kaufman prank or something. Yeah. Know? But I remember really distinctly, there was a turning point in that class where we went from being like just really frustrated with this dude and mm-hmm. feeling like our time was being wasted. I, I remember our core people who were in our practice group. Uh, 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 Kelly, Buttermore, Kelly Buttermore, John, John Bander, Bander, Corey Grimes, yeah. uh, the two of us. I remember us having this sort of moment of like realizing of like, let's just try to play with him. Yeah, every time this guy goes up, that. everybody like hangs yeah. back and everybody like, gets annoyed. Damon was in that too. Oh, Damon. Yeah. Yeah. Too, yeah. Catron, yeah. Uh, uh, and then we had this attitude of like, let's try to like actually enjoy this guy. Yeah. And because you know that it's just going to be crazy and insane yeah. anyway. So in a way you're like, oh, I'm off the hook now. It, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that class got super fun. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a spelling bee group game. Uh, vaguely. And then it became Jeopardy or something. Uh, like everything, everything with this guy was just like something. mutating. Yeah. It was the most And then insane. you found out you were on the moon. Yeah. But it was it, like once you made that attitude adjustment and it's not about like this guy's holding the class back. Right. But it became of like, oh, you know what? If I get over my own bullshit. Right. Uh, uh, and actually just go to like try my best to connect with this person yeah. not only does like the class become way more fun but suddenly a lot of tension in the room and a lot of tension in your own body opens up yeah i think when you start uh not really caring how you look yeah uh and jumping in and uh, risking looking stupid uh the easy the more fun you're going to have yeah. and uh if you don't care about like oh do i look 
um, well, I mean, this is more for girls, but like, do, I don't care about like, do I look pretty right now? Or do mm-hmm. I like, I'm making these gr- ugly faces and these contorted positions. And like, I, if I don't care, then I'll have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's just, and I, that's also what, um, a lot of my workshop jump on the bomb. That's a lot of what it's about of like, I don't, I'm going to throw myself out there and help everyone by just doing some, by helping something. I don't care if I look dumb or if I explode in the process, that's fine because it's going to keep us going. Yeah. So that's a lot of where I come from when I'm up on stage is that I'm just going to do something that's no one's jumping out. I'll, I'll do something. It, that's one of the most fun things about watching you play. Uh, like in particular, when you're with junior varsity, the, Thursdays, ju- at eight o'clock. Thursdays at eight o'clock, junior varsity is like a blast and junior varsity and the boss and hello laser are like the three, the last of the teams that were created by Armando mm-hmm. back in the day and seven years ago, seven years ago. And, and very um, different groups too. Yes. Yeah, super, super also, super different. uh, which is, Good. <laughs> well, I like all three of those groups. I feel like settled into their own temperament mm-hmm. and settled into their own voice together. And JV is sort of defined by, um, uh, um, pretty slow, detailed setup, followed by just extracting as much as possible from the ideas that are in play. Like, and it's always fun to watch JV play with like, how much farther can they go with this joke? <laughs> and you guys always go farther than expected. And yeah. it, 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 it's always amazing. But in particular, it's so fun to watch you play in that because you are, there's always, you have a good sense of pacing where like, okay, scene is edited. There's that beat. And right before that beat turns into, does anybody have anything? You're out there arm swinging, doing something. (laughs) Yeah. Usually that's my, (laughs) that's, yeah. I usually am like, uh, try to like bring in energy and, uh, usually like, uh, 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 prepubescent young boy yeah. is my favorite character to yeah. play yeah. with arms swinging. Yeah. Uh, um, so when you're doing that, when you're, because just throwing yourself out there to, to kind of um, take the hit for everybody, mm-hmm. um, that's easier said than done. Yeah. What's going through your mind when you do that? Well, I, uh, I trust that in the time that it takes me to go from the back line to the, I, I go all the way downstage, uh, because, uh, and I make it look like I have an idea which I usually don't. Uh, so I, in the process of moving, I, uh, I trust that I'll get an idea. Mm-hmm. And usually I've got a couple in my pocket from the whole piece thus far. Uh, and uh, so I'll, sometimes I'll even just look at all the guys and I'll remember, oh, uh, Jamie did this one. Okay, cool. That's right. Oh, that's right, Jamie. Uh, so I'll connect Jamie's character with the idea in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start initiating. But basically, it's I had a couple ideas in my pocket. Um, I don't know which one I'm going to pull out. Sometimes uh, uh, I'm like, oh, no, we already saw Jamie's character in the last scene. Oh, I can't do that one. Mm. I got to do this one. So I'm going through the little Rolodex in my brain of what are the ideas. And sometimes I just start talking or I start in an environment. And I... If I don't have an idea, I'll start in an environment and then just keep going through that Rolodex, keep looking at everybody, and and I trust that something's going to come to me. What's in the – so you start talking. Where does your mind go to about what to say? Uh, I usually um, – I'm reacting to something mm-hmm. uh, or I am uh, in a location where we're here together in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if, if I don't have an idea, it's basically like, 
oh, sometimes I'll just start making a sound, Mm -hmm. a reaction sound to something that maybe just happened. And while I'm making that sound and I'm in my environment doing something, uh, I'm thinking of like, okay, what am I reacting to? What am I thinking about? And then I'll kind of like go through all the other scenes and... I basically just try to like start with a reaction and start in an environment to bide me time. One thing about the way that you play is that you kind of combine in my mind, um, sort of the best of like, um, technical agility of an experienced improviser with the spirit of almost like a new person. I don't know if it's, if you've, kind of absorb this from teaching level one for so long, or I don't know if you're such a good level one teacher because that's the spirit that you have. But a lot of that just kind of like pure sense of like, oh, just like playfulness mm. and enjoyment of yourself and lightness and fun, uh, uh, that hasn't been crusted over. Whereas I feel for some, like for me, <laughs> sometimes it's a struggle to actually like work up like fun energy. Yeah. You know? Uh, um can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Well, I, we we put a lot of money into this. Like the classes, we we do practice groups, we put a lot of money into this. And so I'm always telling my students of well, this is fun. This is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to not walk away feeling like you are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Uh so I always try to go from a place of like this is going to be really fun. Like we're going to just have a lot of fun. Um, and so trying to keep that lightness and buoyancy and energy in everything. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I've been doing it so long because I'm having fun. And with JV, it's so fun because we can, we have so many ideas that I can play all these different things. And sometimes I don't even remember uh, how many characters I've played. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so I, I think I think the way I play and level one teaching, I think those go hand in hand. And I think that they have as when I started teaching, that's when I got on junior varsity mm. sort of. I think it was maybe a year in a couple months. Uh, so I think that like that way of playing as well as level one have informed each other as I've been doing it mm-hmm. longer and longer and getting more confidence. The same thing of like once you start getting more confident as a teacher – you're doing that better same way of like when you're performing you get that confidence and so and i think just keeping it fun for my students i do the same on stage and i try to keep it really fun uh also i think it looks in the same way as you said uh uh your intensity i feel i look weird or disingenuous when i'm intense mm-hmm. i feel like i'm fake whereas I, I feel that way when i look like i'm having fun yeah yeah so uh so i think that uh so i i know and um i get really scared when it starts getting really serious mm-hmm. or when uh, or when it starts getting really intense or like uh i just don't i, I think it looks really fake when i do that mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm being a fake person right now mm-hmm. so that's I, I kind of skew towards really positive things. And I, I feel like that's why I admire watching uh, you or uh, Alana can go to that place of like, she makes it so funny and she can make it serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bianca mm-hmm. C- Cassisol does a good job about that too, of like, wow, I never would have made that choice. I would have, I would have gone for the, I would I, I think both ways are great, uh, but I usually, I, I feel disingenuous when I do that. You play more like, a kid plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, 
that's yeah i try i think of it like that like i like playing kids too on yeah. stage which and i hate playing kids oh i love it yeah uh and i think that just goes with like also i'm a short person yeah uh and uh and i like kind of like jumping around uh and so i uh i like playing more physical yeah and so uh that's for me, that's that's where I'm coming from. Well, there's, it's also like a general temperamental thing too, because like you come from a fairly large extended family, yeah, uh, uh, Catholic, lots of cousins, yeah. Uh, and whenever I go to like your grandmother's house, <laughs> I'm I'm like stuck in a corner by myself because you're off having adventures with all the kids for like at least eight hours. Yeah, it, I, it's just like it's. I think it's always been like a big part of your nature. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm the second. I'm the second oldest in a line of like 20 cousins. So I've been there for like all these little kids and yeah. uh, I, I love playing with kids yeah. uh, and I'm a, I'm a big kid person. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I think the th- important thing about kids is like, you just have to talk to them like they're regular, like they're adults yeah. a little bit, not, um, not in like a serious way, but uh, talk to them very seriously about it. So your halloween costume gonna be yeah like really serious like things that are important to them but use it with a, a gravity yes uh, and i think that they start because that's how they think about it yeah it would take yeah and so uh yeah so i think yeah that is different our, our upbringings were very different i yeah. was uh, uh i came there were a lot of aunts and uncles that i had uh and like a lot of kids and it was always really important to be funny mm-hmm. or to be sarcastic or mm-hmm. to have like a quick line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what uh, was valued or like getting all my family to laugh. Yeah. Uh, it was always really important to me yeah. when I was a little kid. Um, and it would always like make my grandfather laugh or my grandmother. Like they always, I, I was always rewarded with that. And yeah. so I think that sort of informed me a lot of being like very outgoing when I was a kid. Peter said something similar when I was talking with him, Peter right. McNerney, yeah. uh, of uh, also kind of being, in his case, I think he was the youngest, or the, I think he was the youngest in a large family, and there was also kind of a thing where he had to kind of be like the quick one to do something funny yeah. or silly, and he kind of grew up feeling like his job was to entertain. It's interesting, Gene Villapique said this in my first level two at Magnet, mm. and this always stuck with me, that... Um, you kind of become more of who you really are as you're doing this stuff. Yeah. It, 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 you just like whatever your particular uh, <laughs> hue is, yeah. it becomes kind of brighter and brighter over time. Yeah. How have you uh, grown as an improviser over the years? Oh, uh, I think uh, I think that thing of not caring what people, what I, is, you know, when, when you're a kid and, uh, uh, you don't want to admit what band you like yes. or what music you like. Yeah, I still don't. I know. Uh, I don't. I, well, I think like once you start taking control of like, this is just me. Like once you don't care yeah. what people think of just like, all right, this is what I do. Yeah. Once you kind of have that tone of like uh, being proud of those things, yeah. uh, which is I think a change in culture too. this kind of um, – quote unquote, like being a nerd, right. uh, being, um, like kind of owning who you are, I think, uh, has given me a lot of confidence of like, oh, I don't really care what, uh, to be cool or look cool. And, uh, and I think I've grown into just being like really positive, not caring about what people think. And I think when I was in high school or in college, was very aware of what others thought of me right. and how I was coming off or being perceived or like 
having to be the best, mm-hmm. which is something I think also probably uh, growing up was also a big thing for me of like, I had to be the best. Yeah. You were a big pain in the ass in high school because you had that attitude. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know where, I think that's probably from my mom yeah. of like of being the best. And it's weird because my brother doesn't really go through that, but I do of like, I had to be number one. Yeah. I had to be the best at everything. And, and I think once I got over that, once I got out of college and it was no longer the pressure of, uh, you know, being the best or having, I wasn't in school anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's when, uh, I started getting more confident in myself and just not caring. I'm just yeah. like, I don't, you can, or, or not caring what others did as well. I don't know why I sort of had this thing of like caring what others did. Yeah. And once you get over that or being sort of in that way of going, of being the best, you also start looking at other successes and being jealous of those successes or thinking that those successes should be yours. Right. And once you get over that, you become a lot happier. Yeah. And I think I become a happier person. Yeah. And, and your better qualities come through. Like you actually do become better at things because it's not this like begrudging you're not in a state of of having to like prove your shit all the time you suddenly become in a state where you're kind of very happily kind of giving what you have yeah and if people like it that's great and if they don't like it it doesn't really make a difference because it's fun to give it away yeah absolutely and i think uh, you know actually going along back to yoga i feel like being um doing yoga has also helped me a lot yeah. of um i'm really confident in my body i'm very aware of my body in a way that i never was um like i was always uh I, you know I, well you know i used to like wear like big clothes and i used to like be very like i also didn't know what to do with my hair i still don't but um i sort of like uh like don't really care anymore i i um I always felt very like small inside my body and mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm I've taken up all the space. Yeah. It, you and I both started improvising. I right out of college. Yeah. You had one it was your senior year of college yes. that you started improvising. I was at NYU. Which for me was a magical time. We'll go back and relive some of those memories <laughs> in a second. That's Rick Andrews' summer intensive in the background, by the by. Oh. Uh, uh, um I, I feel there's still two spots left. Yes, so please sign up quickly. <laughs> I feel like my education really didn't begin until after I was done yes. with college. When I started improvising, that's when I started to learn really how to use my brain. Yeah. And 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 for me, as I'm sure you are aware, it was a, a gradual process of like seriously unwinding and seriously letting go of like you're saying being really concerned about where other people are at and and Mm. maybe being a little critical of where other people were at and being very angry at myself. Yes. I was very angry at myself. Yeah. And, and that would come out towards other people a lot and improv really helped to kind of bring that sort of like inner peace. Yeah. You know, um, uh, how have you grown as a teacher? Oh, uh, I think by this point I've seen, pretty much every way a scene can go um, with certain exercises. Uh, because level one, you know, it's it's pretty set. Uh, I don't really deviate too far from, you know, what I've been doing for the past few years. I'll add exercises, but I think there's some uh, some lessons that just you have to teach those, uh, especially for level one. Um, so I've seen the way things can go. Uh, and so, and I've dealt pretty much with every kind of person. So I think for me... I'm better at communicating 
my ideas and better at helping them find their full potential mm-hmm. or knowing of, uh, I've seen this person do this. I know you can do this mm-hmm. or being confident in them, uh, as well as myself. So uh, I'm just, uh, I'm also more relaxed as you go through, which, you know, that comes with being confident and knowing like what I'm doing. And it's also, uh, I, I know what I have to say and mm-hmm. I know what's going to communicate well with them. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think, you know, as we said with yoga, that's also, you can tell a good teacher, mm-hmm. uh, because they can communicate those ideas. They're confident. And it's also not too much. Yeah. Uh, when you have a new yoga teacher, they're doing like, you, there's not even time to get into a pose. It's yeah. just like, boom, 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 boom. They feel a need to cram all of their knowledge in. Again, it's sort of a thing of like to prove to you that they have that knowledge. Exactly. And so, and I think going along with like being a teacher for so long, I don't really have much to prove. I don't have to prove that I'm a good teacher. I know I'm a good teacher. So um, in that comes the freedom of letting go uh-huh. of I can just have fun. I can have fun with you guys and uh, – laugh along with you guys and i would i mean in all those years i would say i've only had like three classes that i was ever like oh this isn't going well yeah and do you blame yourself for that i do yeah i think (laughs) that's also the hallmark of a good teacher i do uh when they do something bad i i always blame myself like oh i should have given them this better direction on this yeah it's definitely my fault um yeah uh you seem to have more and more fun improvising yeah all the time. Like the longer you're doing it, the more you seem to be enjoying it and the better you are at it. Um, what do you do to keep it fun? Because here, one thing I get a lot when I'm talking with people for Megawatt is um, they start to feel it becomes less and less fun and they mm. start to want to kind of beat themselves up to give themselves all kinds of challenges to keep it interesting. <laughs> it's almost like they're afraid that they're going to lose interest in it entirely if they're not constantly throwing something with a twist in um i know my reasons that i keep on coming back i know what what i'm constantly being stimulated by what is it for you how do you how do you is it something you even think about or or are you just hooked um i think i am just hooked uh and i think uh i just uh i remember all those times that like my sides have hurt laughing or the times that uh, it's been really good. And yeah, and I think that's what keeps bringing you back. And uh, and I just always go in with the idea, with the thoughts of, this is just, we're just here to have fun. Yeah. Like, this is fun. Uh, and kind of like being on stage is fun. And, uh, and with JV, it's so, what's always enjoyable is when someone takes it a direction I never would have. And then that's really exciting to do something that I hadn't planned on. Uh, and that's what's really fun. Or they'll put something on me. Or uh, we did this group game where uh, we were all in stasis in, in space. Mm. And we'd all woken up after the stasis. And so we were like, oh, getting back. We're like waking up. Like we're going to some planet or something. And um, so we're all talking about our dreams. And uh, so I like um, talked about my dream. And we and then we like ta- everyone tagged in. We saw my dream. And then uh, – uh, what else? Oh, and then uh, so someone else started talking about their dream, but for some reason it went back to me. It, we start like tagging about me, and so then uh, I just remember we went back, and Kevin was like, 
can you let someone else get a word in edgewise? <laughs> and I was like, can you let someone else get a word in edgewise? And so I was like, oh, what? It was like, I wasn't even the one to initiate the tag, but it was just, it felt so fun to like have that be put on me yeah. and then to play that frustration of just like, well, I just wanted to tell you more. Yeah. Um, so that was, it's always fun when someone puts something on you yeah. and then you have like, like, Oh, I never thought I would be playing that character. Well, like what's so much fun about playing with the team, especially like if it's people that you really love and, and people that you trust, that's the big thing is mm. like, these are people that you trust. What becomes so fun is like improv is always going to veer towards crazy. It always just evolves towards craziness and it's always going to veer towards surprising. It's always right. going to go in the unexpected direction. And um, when you're at that place where you're just like not only giving yourself over to that, but where you're like excitedly looking forward to when it yeah. veers unexpected. Yeah. And I think one thing that like a lot of times people can become, I mean, I feel it myself a lot. You become very boxed in with a sense of expectations and, and when it begins going in a way that you didn't plan, you become agitated and controlling and try to kind of keep it pointed the right way. Okay. And then the entire experience isn't fun and you're wondering, why isn't this enjoyable for me anymore? You know, uh, uh, when did that kind of click for you? Did it, was that a moment or was it just sort of a gradual process of like actually being excited for it to begin kind of breaking apart and getting getting a little bit out of control. I think when I stopped counting my good scenes, like, you know, when you start charting your progress of like, oh, I had a really good class. Oh, when's the, when's the other shoe going to drop? Oh, yeah. When's the bad class going to happen? Yeah. When I stopped charting my improv successes and failures of like, uh, oh, this was good. This has been good. This has been good. Oh, I'm plateauing right now. When I stopped doing that, I think that's when uh, – I was just confident enough in myself mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I can handle this. Uh, I can handle wherever this is going to go. It's yeah. not a problem. I'll just deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think once I started going with that, that's when it, uh, I don't, I, I get excited when it goes a, a way I didn't expect. You bounce back from bad shows real quick too. Yeah. What's your, what's your attitude to that? Uh, I sort of, I, I only allow myself that night. That's it. And that's it's like after that, uh, get over it. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, sometimes also when I, when I'm really hard on myself, uh, it, it, uh it's the audience isn't thinking, Oh, Megan had such a bad show. Uh, probably no one even noticed it, but me. So it's like, I'm being super hard just on myself. Like the audience, it probably didn't affect the audience's enjoyment. So it's sometimes like, just get over yourself. You'll do better. Like mm. it'll be fine next time. Um, and, uh, sort of just get over yourself. I give myself one night. That's it. And then after that, I won't allow myself to think about it anymore. And I'll just be stronger next time. What can people expect to take from your level one class? Oh, a lot of fun. It's going to, uh, I like to think of just like one step at a time. Uh, we're, I like to create like a, a really fun party atmosphere of, uh, we're all like, you'll, you'll learn something about me. I'll learn something about you. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I like to create a really fun open environment. Uh, that anything can happen and everything is welcome mm -hmm. and we're just going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, and I think like the thing that I like about level one too is that my brain is working constantly mm-hmm. because you have to keep the scene short. Uh, you can't let things go on too long because it's still level one, so scenes are shorter. Uh, you have to constantly be edit. They, they don't really edit themselves until week seven, so it's like constantly paying attention, and uh, it, it's like a really good workout for my brain. Mm-hmm. And if I'm sick or something, I usually don't feel it until after the three hours are done. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's right, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I just like to have a lot of fun and have it be a, something that they look forward to and don't dread. When are you and I going to have a baby? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a topic for another time. Megan Gray, thank you for talking. <laughs> thank you, Lewis. This has been the Magnet Podcast. I'm Lewis Kornfeld. A couple of thank yous. Big thank you to Willie Appleman, as always, to Grant Goldberg, our engineer, and to you guys for listening. Uh, uh, if you're curious about who we are and what it is that we do, please check us out online. Magnettheater.com is the website for all the information, classic shows, all kinds of cool stuff. Hey, gang, thanks for listening. Uh, do something nice for somebody this week, why don't you? I'll see you at our, at our apartment, Lou. I'll see you at our apartment, Meg. I'm serious about that baby. <laughs> You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. 